the Bible, the most unique book in all of human history. It claims to be divine in origin, and it delivers a message that, if true, affects every human being on the planet Earth, in this life, and in whatever awaits us when this life is over. The Bible is unique in its survival. Over the past 2,000 years, no other book has been subjected to the intense scrutiny that the Bible has endured. Generations of linguists, historians, and archaeologists have explored the details of the Bible's production and tested the accuracy of its transmission to us today. Critics and foes have come and gone. Problems have been raised and solved, and still the Bible stands. Totally alone in the degree of its historical accuracy and reliability. The Bible is also unique in foretelling future events. The Old Testament alone contains over 2,000 specific predictions about people, cities, nations, and empires. Predictions made hundreds of years before being perfectly fulfilled in history. The Bible is unique in its influence. It's been called the fountainhead of Western civilization and is by far the most quoted text in America's founding documents. Millions of men, women, and children from every station and walk of life have felt the liberating, redeeming power of this book of books, and their changed lives have changed the world and the course of history. The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar is your opportunity to hear this unique book, the entire Bible, every year. Now, here's the host of the Bible Live, Soapy Dollar. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum. Good evening, everyone. I'm glad you're with us tonight for the Bible Live broadcast. I hope we have some new listeners as well as those who have been with us for many years now. Since 2001, we've been reading through the Bible every year. Every one of those 66 great books of the Bible. Just had a chance to visit tonight with some listeners, hopefully new listeners, at a restaurant tonight where I was having supper. We got a chance to visit. Had a beautiful little baby girl, 11 weeks old. You forget how tiny they are. Well, I welcome them as new listeners tonight, and I welcome you as well. We're going to continue our way through the great book of Isaiah, the first of the books of the major prophets, and he is considered perhaps the greatest of the prophets of the Hebrew scriptures. Now, he exercised his ministry as prophet for 60 years during the time of four or five different kings of Judah in the south and those in the north, Israel as well. He prophesied from 740 B.C. to 681, 60 years through the time of the fall of Samaria in the north that fell to Assyria. Nineveh is the capital of Assyria, and about 50, 60 years before Isaiah is when Jonah prophesied against Nineveh, and they repented. But we're going to see their repentance did not last much more than a generation, and now God will use Assyria as an instrument of judgment on Samaria in the north, and that's what Isaiah will be talking to the people about, and that's what he will actually witness during his years of ministry. Let's go to our Bible Live reading from the Psalm 105. Psalm 105, 1 through 24. Give thanks to the Lord and proclaim His greatness. Let the whole world know what He has done. Sing to Him, yes, sing His praises. Tell everyone about His miracles. Exult in His holy name, O worshipers of the Lord, rejoice! Search for the Lord and for His strength and keep on searching. Think of the wonderful works He has done, the miracles and the judgments He handed down, O children of Abraham, God's servant. 
O descendants of Jacob, God's chosen one, He is the Lord our God. His rule is seen throughout the land. He always stands by His covenant, the commitment He made to a thousand generations. This is the covenant He made with Abraham and the oath He swore to Isaac. He confirmed it to Jacob as a decree, to the people of Israel as a never-ending treaty. I will give you the land of Canaan as your special possession. He said this when they were few in number, a tiny group of strangers in Canaan. They wandered back and forth between nations, from one kingdom to another. Yet he did not let anyone oppress them. He warned kings on their behalf, Do not touch these people I have chosen, and do not hurt my prophets. He called for a famine on the land of Canaan, cutting off its food supply. Then he sent someone to Egypt ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. There in prison they bruised his feet with fetters and placed his neck in an iron collar. Until the time came to fulfill his word, the Lord tested Joseph's character. Then Pharaoh sent for him and set him free. The ruler of the nation opened his prison door. Joseph was put in charge of all the king's household. He became ruler over all the king's possessions. He could instruct the king's aides as he pleased and teach the king's advisors. Then Israel arrived in Egypt. Jacob lived as a foreigner in the land of Ham. And the Lord multiplied the people of Israel until they became too mighty for their enemies. End of reading Psalm 105, 1-24. You're listening to The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Welcome back to The Bible Live. We are going to move now from this beautiful Psalm uh, 105. We just read the first part of it this evening. We'll finish in our next program. This is a great psalm that reviews the faithfulness and the power of God on behalf of his people how that God faithfully brought them from the time of the calling of Abraham and Isaac, Jacob, and then the time of Joseph. It mentions specifically Joseph being sent down into Egypt, God preparing the way for his people as they went down because of a famine. All of these ways in which God was maneuvering and manipulating and guiding history to his determined end. History is his story, and we can take comfort from that. That's one thing I wanted to remind you of tonight as we move now to the book of Isaiah. We're going to pick up in chapter 15. We need to be encouraged now, right now, and in our future by what God has done in the past. Isaiah prophesied 2,700 years ago, and those things that took place are the same things that are happening in our country. Injustice, immorality, rebellion, there's wars, there's an economy that was failing. The human condition has not changed. God has not changed either. Even as that psalm tonight celebrates God's power in bringing his people to the promised land, we, when I say we, I'm talking about those of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ, who by faith have entered into a relationship with God. We are Israel. The Israel we're reading about here in Scripture, this physical, earthly Israel, this nation, this people group that God used to bring the Messiah into the world, and he used them as an instrument of revelation uh, to the world then and now. That is an earthly image. That is an earthly type 
of spiritual Israel, which includes all of the people of God throughout all time, from Adam and Eve on down, who belong to God. These are men and women who are faithful to what God has revealed to them of himself, and that includes you and me. So these passages apply to us today as well, to our times as well, to both men and nations, and particularly the promises and the declarations about God's people We are spiritual Israel. We have a promised land we're going to, and we're making that journey of faith as well, and we can learn from these passages. Tonight, Isaiah is speaking not only to the people of Israel, the tribe in the north, but also he's going to be talking to Moab, descendants of Abraham's nephew through incest. He's talking to Damascus, Israel, and Samaria in the north, Ethiopia, these countries around Israel, talking to them about loving and obeying and seeking the true and living God, the God of Israel. The message has always been to all the nations of the world, not just to one select group. God is judging America today. No doubt about it. And it's slowly tightening and increasing. But we must listen. It's God's people that God looks to. So we, as God's people, must be the ones who respond. Now, let's go and read these passages from the book of Isaiah. We're starting out in chapter 15 tonight on The Bible Life. Isaiah 15, 1 through 26. Isaiah 15. This message came to me concerning Moab. In one night, your cities of Ar and Ker will be destroyed. Your people in Dibon will mourn at their temples and shrines, weeping for the fate of Nebo and Medeba. They will shave their heads in sorrow and cut off their beards. They will wear sackcloth as they wander the streets. From every home will come the sound of weeping. The cries from the cities of Heshbon and Elieleh will be heard far away, even in Jahan. The bravest warriors of Moab will cry out in utter terror. My heart weeps for Moab. Its people flee to Zoar and Eglas Shelishayah. Weeping, they climb the road to Luhith. Their crying can be heard all along the road to Horonaim. Even the waters of Nimrim are dried up. The grassy banks are scorched and the tender plants are gone. The desperate refugees take only the possessions they can carry and flee across the ravine of willows. The whole land of Moab is a land of weeping from one end to the other, from Eglaim to Be'er Elim. The stream near Dibon runs red with blood, but I am still not finished with Dibon. Lions will hunt down the survivors, both those who try to run and those who remain behind. Isaiah 16. Moab's refugees at Selah send lambs to Jerusalem as a token of alliance with the king of Judah. The women of Moab are left like homeless birds at the shallow crossings of the Arnon River. Help us, they cry. Defend us against our enemies. Protect us from their relentless attack. Do not betray us. Let our outcasts stay among you. Hide them from our enemies until the terror is past. When oppression and destruction have ceased and enemy raiders have disappeared, then David's throne will be established by love. From that throne, a faithful king will reign, one who always does what is just and right. Is this Moab, the proud land we have heard so much about? Its pride and insolence are all gone now. The entire land of Moab weeps. Yes, you people of Moab, mourn for the delicacies of Kir Hareseth. Weep for the abandoned farms of Heshbon and the vineyards at Sibma. The wine from those vineyards used to make the rulers of the nations drunk. Moab was once like a spreading grapevine. Her tendrils spread out as far as Jazer and trailed out into the desert. Her shoots once reached as far as the Dead Sea. But now the enemy has completely destroyed that vine. So I wail and lament for Jazer and the vineyards of Sibma. 
My tears will flow for Heshbon and Ilialeh, for their summer fruits and harvests have all been destroyed. Gone now is the gladness, gone is the joy of harvest. The happy singing in the vineyards will be heard no more. The treading out of grapes in the winepresses has ceased forever. I have ended all their harvest joys. I will weep for Moab. My sorrow for Kirharaseth will be very great. On the hilltops the people of Moab will pray in anguish to their idols, but it will do them no good. They will cry to the gods in their temples, but no one will come to save them. The Lord has already said this about Moab in the past. But now, the Lord says, within three years, without fail, the glory of Moab will be ended, and few of its people will be left alive. You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Isaiah 17 This message came to me concerning Damascus. Look, Damascus will disappear. It will become a heap of ruins. The cities of Aroer will be deserted. Sheep will graze in the streets and lie down unafraid. There will be no one to chase them away. The fortified cities of Israel will also be destroyed, and the power of Damascus will end. The few left in Aram will share the fate of Israel's departed glory, says the Lord Almighty. In that day the glory of Israel will be very dim, for poverty will stalk the land. Israel will be abandoned like the grain fields in the valley of Rephaim after the harvest. Only a few of its people will be left, like the stray olives left on the tree after the harvest. Only two or three remain in the highest branches, four or five out on the tips of the limbs. Yes, Israel will be stripped bare of people, says the Lord, the God of Israel. Then at last the people will think of their Creator and have respect for the Holy One of Israel. They will no longer ask their idols for help or worship what their own hands have made. They will never again bow down to their Asherah poles or burn incense on the altars they built. Their largest cities will be as deserted as overgrown thickets. They will become like the cities the Amorites abandoned when the Israelites came here so long ago. Why? Because you have turned from the God who can save you, the rock who can hide you. You may plant the finest imported grapevines, and they may grow so well that they blossom on the very morning you plant them. But you will never pick any grapes from them. Your only harvest will be a load of grief and incurable pain. Look, the armies rush forward like waves thundering toward the shore. But though they roar like breakers on a beach, God will silence them. They will flee like shafts scattered by the wind, or like dust whirling before a storm. In the evening Israel waits in terror, but by dawn its enemies are dead. This is the just reward of those who plunder and destroy the people of God. Isaiah 18 Destruction is certain for the land of Ethiopia, which lies at the headwaters of the Nile. Its winged sailboats glide along the river, and ambassadors are sent in fast boats down the Nile. Go home, swift messengers. Take a message to your land divided by rivers, to your tall, smooth-skinned people, who are feared far and wide for their conquests and destruction. When I raise my battle flag on the mountain, let all the world take notice. When I blow the trumpet, listen, for the Lord has told me this. I will watch quietly from my dwelling place, as quietly as the heat rises on a summer day, or as the dew forms on an autumn morning during the harvest. Even before you begin your attack, while your plans are ripening like grapes, 
The Lord will cut you off as though with pruning shears. He will snip your spreading branches. Your mighty army will be left dead in the fields for the mountain birds and wild animals to eat. The vultures will tear at corpses all summer. The wild animals will gnaw at bones all winter. But the time will come when the Lord Almighty will receive gifts from this land divided by rivers, from this tall, smooth-skinned people who are feared far and wide for their conquests and destruction. They will bring gifts to the Lord Almighty in Jerusalem, the place where His name dwells. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Isaiah 19. This message came to me concerning Egypt. Look, the Lord is advancing against Egypt, riding on a swift cloud. The idols of Egypt tremble. The hearts of the Egyptians melt with fear. I will make the Egyptians fight against each other, brother against brother, neighbor against neighbor, city against city, province against province. The Egyptians will lose heart, and I will confuse their plans. They will plead with their idols for wisdom. They will call on spirits, mediums, and psychics to show them which way to turn. I will hand Egypt over to a hard, cruel master, to a fierce king, says the Lord, the Lord Almighty. The waters of the Nile will fail to rise and flood the fields. The riverbed will be parched and dry. The canals of the Nile will dry up, and the streams of Egypt will become foul with rotting reeds and rushes. All the greenery along the riverbank will wither and blow away. All the crops will dry up and everything will die. The fishermen will weep for lack of work. Those who fish with hooks and those who use nets will all be unemployed. The weavers will have no flax or cotton, for the crops will fail. The weavers and all the workers will be sick at heart. What fools are the counselors of Zoan? Their best counsel to the king of Egypt is stupid and wrong. Will they still boast of their wisdom? Will they dare tell Pharaoh about their long line of wise ancestors? What has happened to your wise counselors, Pharaoh? If they are so wise, let them tell you what the Lord Almighty is going to do to Egypt. The wise men from Zoan are fools, and those from Memphis are deluded. The leaders of Egypt have ruined the land with their foolish counsel. The Lord has sent a spirit of foolishness on them, so all their suggestions are wrong. They caused the land of Egypt to stagger like a sick drunkard. Nobody in Egypt, whether rich or poor, important or unknown, can offer any help. In that day the Egyptians will be as weak as women. They will cower in fear beneath the upraised fist of the Lord Almighty. Just to speak the name of Israel will strike deep terror in their hearts, for the Lord Almighty has laid out His plans against them. In that day, five of Egypt's cities will follow the Lord Almighty. They will even begin to speak the Hebrew language. One of these cities will be Heliopolis, the city of the sun. In that day, there will be an altar to the Lord in the heart of Egypt, and there will be a monument to the Lord at its border. It will be a sign and a witness to the Lord Almighty in the land of Egypt. When the people cry to the Lord for help against those who oppress them, he will send them a Savior who will rescue them. In that day the Lord will make himself known to the Egyptians. Yes, they will know the Lord and will give their sacrifices and offerings to him. They will make promises to the Lord and keep them. The Lord will strike Egypt in a way that will bring healing. For the Egyptians will turn to the Lord and he will listen to their pleas and heal them. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. 
In that day, Egypt and Assyria will be connected by a highway. The Egyptians and Assyrians will move freely between their lands, and they will worship the same God, and Israel will be their ally. The three will be together, and Israel will be a blessing to them. For the Lord Almighty will say, Blessed be Egypt, my people. Blessed be Assyria, the land I have made. Blessed be Israel, my special possession. Isaiah 20 In the year when King Sargon of Assyria captured the Philistine city of Ashdod, the Lord told Isaiah, son of Amos, Take off all your clothes, including your sandals. Isaiah did as he was told and walked around naked and barefoot. Then the Lord said, My servant Isaiah has been walking around naked and barefoot for the last three years. This is a sign, a symbol of the terrible troubles I will bring upon Egypt and Ethiopia. For the king of Assyria will take away the Egyptians and Ethiopians as prisoners. He will make them walk naked and barefoot, both young and old, their buttocks uncovered to the shame of Egypt. How dismayed will be the Philistines, who counted on the power of Ethiopia and boasted of their allies in Egypt. They will say, if this can happen to Egypt, what chance do we have? For we counted on Egypt to protect us from the king of Assyria. End of reading Isaiah 15:1 through 26. is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Isaiah has begun to address the nations surrounding Israel because God has used the people of Israel through the centuries to spread the news of the true and living God, not made by human hands, not invented by human beings, but the God who is beyond our imagination, beyond our comprehension. The true and living God of the Scriptures can never be comprehended exhaustively by the human mind, by human beings. So that's why we have to be careful that we don't let even our trust in God and our faith in Jesus the Messiah get so familiar to us that it becomes like an idol. God is always greater than we would imagine. We can discover more and more about Him, but not exhaustively, and we need not become cold and stale in our faith, but keep it fresh and new, always discovering more about the true and living God, who is always just a little bit bigger, a little bit greater, a little bit better, a little bit more powerful, a little bit more wise, more intelligent than we imagine. The people of Israel in that time, the people group, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph, and through the times of the kings, they have been used as God's instrument of revelation to the entire world of their time, to the nations around them in particular. So God now is using Isaiah in this series of messages to speak to these surrounding nations. In chapter 13, he spoke to Babylon. He's addressed to Syria and Philistia in chapter 14. And now he has begun tonight with a message to the people of Moab. And I had told you that the Moabites descended from the incestuous relationship between Lot and his oldest daughter. The Moabites always fought against the people of God. They were continually Israel's enemy. They settled to live east of the Dead Sea to the south of Israel. They oppressed Israel. They invaded Israel's land. They fought against Saul. They fought against David. We see now, though, that Moab will be punished for their harsh treatment of God's people of Israel and their rejection of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That judgment is spelled out tonight by the prophet Isaiah. 
And then he enters into a message in chapter 17, a message about Damascus and Israel. Remember, Damascus now was a great capital city of the kingdom of Aram. David and Solomon both had dealings with the king of Aram, Damascus, up on the Mediterranean coast. And Israel, now Israel, we're talking about the ten northern tribes that had broken off after the death of Solomon. Their capital now is Samaria. Isaiah tells them now that they too are going to be judged by the Lord, and God is going to use the Assyrians with their capital in Nineveh. Remember, 50 or 60 years before this, Jonah had gone to preach to the Ninevites, and they repented in sackcloth and ashes. God was going to destroy that city, but God preserved them because of their repentance. And now they've grown in strength again, and he's going to use Nineveh and Assyria as an instrument of judgment on Damascus, capital of Aram, and on Israel with their capital in Samaria. We're told that now in chapter 17. So Tiglath-Pileser, who is the emperor of Assyria, was going to invade Moab, and he's going to invade Damascus and Israel. All of these prophecies, by the way, come true. It is so amazing and actually very surprising as we read through the scriptures here in this final chapter in particular. God speaks through the prophet Isaiah to the surrounding nations. God called on Isaiah to do something uh, shameful, actually illogical, and that is to go around and prophesy and preach naked. This is so surprising to us. But God's command to Isaiah to walk around naked for three years, it was a humiliating experience. But Isaiah had learned to trust God, even though it seemed illogical. But God was using Isaiah to demonstrate graphically the humiliation that Egypt and Ethiopia would experience at the hands of the Assyrians. This prophecy was fulfilled under Sargon II, king of Assyria, from 722 to 705. But the message was really for Judah... Don't place your faith in government instead of God. Sophie reads from the New Living Translation by Tyndale House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your financial support is needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas, Seven eight two one eight. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Start today and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word. 